When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Introducing the new Starbucks Pistachio Cream Cold Brew. Silky Pistachio Cream Cold Foam tops our bold, smooth, cold brew for a delicious twist on a favorite winter flavor. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. Hey guys, this is Kenan Thompson. I have a problem with you. Yes, you. None of y'all told me that Auto Trader has millions of new and used cars that I can shop from home. I thought we were friends. I put smiles on your face. But I'm not smiling. No one told me that with AutoTrader, a dealer can deliver cars to my home or that I could shop by price on AutoTrader. No one. Consider this friendship that you just learned we had officially over. Finally, it's easy. AutoTrader. We put a record out in 91 and we went on tour. We came back and we're going to make a new record and we built a studio in our garage, which is like the best thing we ever did ever. And it still is, I think. Definitely the best thing we ever did. And we made millions and millions of demo tapes and kind of learned how to become a recording band and, and record songs in the studio. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis, got my brother Quentin with me as always, and that was the voice of Gwen Stefani talking about their decision to record the album Beacon Street Collection in their garage queue, going back to the, going back to the garage, man, you know, every band just like Metallica did. Every band needs to go back to the garage every once in a while, you know. Yeah, and um, we had mentioned in previous episodes that we were going to cover Tragic Kingdom, but I went back and listened to this album, and it was a no-brainer, dude. This is such a great album. They were kind of doing their own thing uh, uh, apart from the record label that, that they had signed to, and we'll get into this in a little bit. But yeah, dude, there's just something about this album i feel like this is like the perfect like snapshot of no doubt in early 90s what they were all about i'm with you on that i was listening to tragic kingdom and it, it i don't know there just wasn't anything too compelling to me about it but this one sounds like especially from what she's saying there like they went back to the garage you know and i think that comes across it, it it's not as polished and and produced as tragic kingdom was yeah and here's so here's the the thing about that uh so for one tragic kingdom was the first album where gwen stefani took over for most of the songwriting which i mean it's obvious when you when you think back to the songs and the lyrics in uh tragic kingdom you know like i'm just a girl spider web there's that obvious like front woman you know feminine voice which is badass i think especially for the time that it came out which is in 95 i think punk needed a voice like that. well and just maybe the rock landscape the rock landscape in general needed something like that because yeah this was you know sort of a a counterpoint to the testosterone of grunge you know right but the two albums that came out before tragic kingdom Beacon Street Collection, and they're self-titled. Most of the songs were written by her brother, Eric Stefani, who left the band shortly before Tragic Kingdom came out, came out, and he is now an animator on The Simpsons. Whoa. He was just like, that's my calling, man. I, I got I got a different shit to do in my life, so. Well, He's cool. an animator. Yeah. Yeah. So, quick history on No Doubt. They've been around for a, a long time, even bef- like 
many, many years before even releasing their first album. And they kind of pride themselves in being a live, a live act, you know, like they're, they're all about the live performance and they kind of made a name for themselves in, uh, Anaheim, California, started out just playing, uh, songs from bands that, that they loved bands like the specials, the English beat, and another band called madness third wave ska, um, which is like a blend of ska and punk. I mean, this is definitely our first discussion of ska on this podcast. Well, dude, uh, let me tell you. So I've got a couple of songs I want to play from a couple of their major influences. It's good stuff, dude. Like, uh, I don't know why, but ska has always, I don't know, left a, it's left a bad taste in my mouth, dude. And I feel like that's because we, the, the only ska that we were aware of was... Um, I always go back to Mighty Mighty Boston. Yeah, I mean like, that's like the biggest, the, the biggest like mainstream version of yeah. that that everybody remembers that song. Um, impression, what is it? Impression that I get something. I don't fucking know, dude. But uh, dude, there was a lot of ska on um, on Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mentioned that uh, last week. I think. Um, here's what I didn't like about it. I think the so I wasn't a fan of the horns section and and those that style of ska is just it's just too heavy on the horns and it's it's just i don't know it's a little too upbeat for me and happy and all that stuff and you got to think about it too this is early 90s uh when no doubt was trying to to burst out on the scene and this is right when grunge hits you know so you got grunge going on up in seattle but down in california the punk scene was starting to steer towards ska punk rock, which is a lot more upbeat and happy and, you know, just have a good, let's everyone have a good time and have fun. Can't we all just have a good time? Exactly. So before we get deeper into No Doubt, I just wanted to play just some quick clips from a couple of their influences. Um, you can definitely see it come through in, the, in their early stuff. So I'm going to play a song by a band called The Specials. Uh, they're an English two-tone ska revival band. So two-tone, it's a specific type of ska that fuses ska with elements of punk rock and new wave um, and influences of reggae as well. So anyways, the specials, uh, I'm going to play a song from their first album that came out in 1979. This song is called Gangsters. Yeah, that's really cool. You know what Dude, I like? 1979. Yeah, that's too, great, man. man. Um, Crazy. I could definitely hear like the English beat um, was probably influenced by them too. You know, um, but yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I didn't? Uh, you know what I liked about that? What? No horns. No horns, dude. I actually, I actually don't. Uh, I'm kind of with you. Like I, I thought the to me for Scott, I always thought that the horns were a little too, a little too corny. Yeah, dude, I'm with you. We, I just couldn't get into the horns. Yeah, but I mean, um, I can I can totally see the influence. 
Uh, no doubt. No, I mean, there's just no doubt about it that they were influenced by that. <laughs> Damn it, dude. It's twice now you've <laughs> used that joke. I mean, no doubt, dude, that's getting old, bro. Yeah. All right, I want to play a song from another influence of theirs. Madness is this the band, okay. which, dude... I fucking love this album cover, man. Have you ever seen this? You recognize that album cover? So their their debut album is called One Step Beyond. Isn't that fucking great, man. I mean, that looks like something that would could easily turn into a TikTok video. People trying to do that. I'm trying to stay um, topical. So madness, uh, shit, dude. This is this. So this is the same year that that specials album came out, 1979. Mm-mm-mm. So uh, this is again their debut album called One Step Beyond. This song is called Razorblade Alley. Like I can, I can almost hear Gwen singing a, a cover of that, you know. Yeah, and that's there. Yeah, they said early on that's that's when they first started out. They were just a bunch of friends hanging out, playing a bunch of ska covers just for fun. What I love about that song and the the reason I wanted to play it, I don't know. It's it's got like this, like old school. Um, I don't know what the word is like swing, like swing bebop. Yeah. Kind of like uh, maybe like a zoot big, suit kind of thing band. going on. Yeah. Zoot suit. Thank you, man. I was trying to think of the, the I got you. term. Yeah, I got dude, you exactly. I love that kind of stuff. Um, Ooh. You want to talk about a phase that, that we all went through uh, that this country went through for some reason. Dude. If you ever watched the mask again, I was about to bring up the <laughs> isn't mask. Isn't that crazy? Oh man. I mean, yeah. Anyway, but that was around <laughs> the same time. You know, and yep, I remember yep. we had to do some sort of super corny uh, performance, like in our like middle school choir or something like that, where we all had to wear zoot suits. I remember that. I remember dude. taking chalk uh, and trying to add pinstripes to a oh my thrift store God. <laughs> jacket that we bought. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I remember that too, man. It was like a, I don't know, some performance where we were like, dove into all the different musical yeah. styles of the last several decades. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I so, too. I mean, for whatever reason, everybody was wearing zoot suits for a brief, you know, you think about the, uh, I'm just randomly, this came into my head. You remember the, uh, the Mambo number five or whatever? <laughs> yeah, dude. How can I forget? Oh my God. <laughs> all right. So, um, no doubt was lucky in that the scrap, the scrout, the ska crowd welcomed them with open arms. So yeah, they 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 played a bunch of live shows early on, like even before they got signed to any record label, they perfected their live show. Now here's a question, and you might not know the answer to this, but I wonder how prevalent females were in the ska scene in general, as far as like lead singers and stuff. I mean, it's rare enough in in punk rock, right? Yeah, I, l- I listened to a lot of interviews, watched a lot of interviews with, with No Doubt, and that's something that Gwen Stefani brought up. Like, you know, early on, you know, they'd be backstage preparing uh, for a show, and she said that, that most people that worked at the club just assumed that I was a girlfriend. Or a groupie or something. Some, yeah. yeah, exactly. Sure. And then she said over time, it did start to change. So she she feels like it just some, something changed in the 90s, and rock or punk or whatever was more welcoming uh, of 
front women for bands and i i think she had a big part in that uh maybe she didn't realize that at the time but yeah i think i think no doubt and quinn stefani had a had a pretty big hand in that so they get signed to a record label called interscope records uh and this is a fairly new label they release one album with interscope which is their debut album which came out in 1992. So this has a lot of parallels to what happened to Spoon. Okay. Um, you remember the early days with Spoon? They released the agony of Lafitte. Exactly, dude. So, and you know, it's funny when you listen to No Doubt's self-titled. It kind of reminds me of what Spoon was doing with a series of sneaks. You know, Britt Daniel said, you know, this was like our attempt at capturing our live show in an album. So that to me is just a band trying to play it safe. You know, you think about it, you have this band, you've been playing together for a while. You finally get signed to a quote unquote major record label. Uh, It makes sense to just play it safe and record a bunch of songs that, that you've just like perfected live. It's a really fun record, but it's just, I don't know, it's just too upbeat, and I don't know, they just played it safe in that one. Um, and that's why Beacon Street Collection is so fucking great. So, long story short, they released this album with Interscope, their first, their debut album. And then they, they got back from this little tour that the record label set up for them. And then the the record label just didn't push for the record at all. There wasn't any kind of support for them. And then they were just writing and writing and writing and had all this new material and the record label just would not let them get into the studio. Months and months and months go on. They're like, when the fuck can we get into the studio? What the hell? And they got so fed up that they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just build our own studio and release some seven inches on our own. So let's take a listen to... Uh, the first track that I'm going to play off of Beacon Street. This is track five off the record. It is called Greener Pastures. That song is more interesting than anything on Tragic Kingdom. <laughs> I'm serious. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, So that interview clip that I had for our intro, that was, af- that was 
after Tragic Kingdom came out. So that was them being interviewed after they found major success. Um, so Tragic Kingdom came out in 95. And she's looking back at it and saying, that's the best thing that we ever did. I'm so glad that we did that. You know, we create, we built our own studio and recorded all this stuff on our own. Best decision we ever made as a band because it taught them how to be a recording group you know yeah. because like i said like all the all, they were only ever focusing on perfecting their live performance they didn't really know and they weren't getting any guidance from interscope the record label so you know i think it's awesome i, I love when when bands do that when they rather than just continue to get fucked over they say you know fuck it let's do our own thing they were they were still with that record label during all of this. I mean, when whenever a band decides to do something like that, when is the result ever bad? I mean, like it's yeah, I mean, when is when, right. when when is it ever like, oh shit, well we definitely shouldn't have done that. I mean, you think about it, dude. Like how many great that, gi- tunes. that gives them the freedom to work at their own pace, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think every every band if if they have the opportunity it should should do something like this. I mean, you know, we've talked about when we covered Interpol uh, and, and even Radiohead, this is sort of related in some way. But Interpol recorded "Turn on the Bright Lights" in a abandoned asylum. Yeah, or it used to be an asylum. It wasn't abandoned. It used to be an asylum. You know, and the environment of which you know where you record something, obviously, it comes through. You know, so like the studio, it just doesn't always lend itself to the best work from a band. So like, I think right. Forcing yourself as a, as a band to change your surroundings and stuff, it's only going to help with your creativity. And in their case, they're like, we need, we need a place to fucking record. You know, we need to fucking play. Yeah. Our record label will not let us use any of their studios. So fuck it. We're going to do it on our own. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, apparently they, they wrote over 60 songs while waiting around for studio time and like i said they released two seven inch singles during this time and then you know just getting more and more frustrated with interscope just kind of twiddling thumbs they spit out this full-length lp they recorded the entirety of beacon street's collection in one weekend one weekend they, they recorded this entire album and then interscope was like oh shit okay this is f- all right so uh, after after Interscope heard what they did on Beacon Street Collection, they finally realized, okay, we should probably like it's fucking dumb. We should probably pay a little bit more attention to these guys. I don't like that, dude. I know, dude. You know, they're just licking their chops over there, <laughs> right? Like, mm, okay, yeah, because Beacon Street Collection did way better than their self titled did, as far as like uh, they it ended up selling over a hundred thousand copies. Uh, their first album sold only thirty thousand. Okay, let me ask you this, dude. Did Interscope get any of that money? Because I hope they did. That's didn't. a good question. They shouldn't. Have. Well, apparently, well, Interscope did release it kind of in like the back catalog, uh, like later on. Bastards. That's that's why they're like, oh shit. Yeah. Oh. Oops. They wow. They're they're doing better uh, on their own now. So uh, maybe we should uh, give them the time to to jump into a studio. And then they freaking drop Tragic Kingdom. Right. And that thing sold 16 million copies, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, in other words, well, fuck I mean, you. That's the thing, though. I mean, it's not, well, I mean, here's the thing, though. I obviously, if it goes from Beacon Street, where it sounds like that, to Tragic Kingdom, obviously the record label is all over Tragic Kingdom. And that's probably why it, it was such a successful pop record in that in that regard you know what i mean because it was more poppy yeah, and like again like was. like i said it's because with their debut self-titled and with beacon street that was eric stefani writing most of the music so gwen was a little bit more radio friendly she was like the uh the, the mccartney to the Lennon. <laughs> right 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 um all right, cool. So, hey, let's play. Let's let's just do music from now on, dude. I, enough, uh, enough, yeah, enough chatting. I I got nothing else for you. Uh, so, I want to play a second clip for uh, Greener Pastures. I really like the way this song ends, dude. It's my favorite part. All right, here it is.
I love the way the drums sound on this record. Yeah, it's that super high pitched like piccolo snare. It's that yeah, classic right. like three like three eleven. Their drummer had a similar style. I love it too, man. He's he's a great drummer. Um, and I love I love Quinn's uh, harmonizing with herself and that. Yeah, really well done, dude. And they fucking did it on their own. Of course they did, man. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, so. I wanted to play a little bit of a song from their debut, just kind of show you a little bit difference in in sound. Again, like after listening to a handful of songs from their debut, I I do feel like what they were doing was kind of trying to replicate their, you know, excitement, the energy and excitement from their live shows. So it's a fun listen, uh, but I like what they do on Beacon Street Collection a little bit. A little bit better. So is this song a little bit more in line with what they do on Tragic Kingdom? Like, is it more poppy? Mm, you tell me, dude. You act, honestly, you listened to more of Tragic Kingdom than I did. Yeah. Um, when we were trying to figure out what album to do. All right. So this is a song called Move On. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, again, it's way more interesting than what they're doing on Magic Kingdom. I mean, Tragic Kingdom. <laughs> uh, that's actually, that. that is exactly why they named it that, dude, because they're from Anaheim, which is where yeah, the Magic right. Kingdom exists. Right. That's a song that's a blast to see live, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah, hell yeah. I would have loved to see them live back then. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, it must have been, no doubt it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> dude. Uh <laughs> So Q, the first thing I thought of when when you played that song with the guitar riff in the beginning, number one, it didn't sound like anything else that that I heard on Tragic Kingdom. Like he he never brought that level of distortion to to the mix, right? Yeah. Number two, and I I looked it up to see if this guy was influenced by heavy metal, and he was. The guy, the guy being Tom Tom Demont. Tom DeMont, yeah, he used to play in heavy metal bands before he joined, no doubt. So here's what we're going to do. I like to do this whenever we can, Q. Okay. You tell me. How about this? Play the intro of that song again. Okay. And then I want you to pull up another song, and I'll say what it is here in a second. All right.
Okay, so that little that little ditty right there. Mm-hmm. Now let's play a little song by Black Sabbath Q. Oh. Called Electric Funeral. Oh, he was definitely a fan, dude. Definitely Big time, fan. dude. Big time. Yeah. Uh, well, it says here that he was. Um, says he was influenced by heavy metal bands such as Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and Kiss. And I promise you, he listened to Sabbath too. Yeah. So he was in this metal band, and they rehearsed in the same uh, studio space in Anaheim, is no doubt. And he would kind of peek in and watch No Doubt practice. He'd be like the kid on the on the. Uh, like on the soccer team or something like that, and he'd watch the kids play baseball. He'd be like, I want to go play baseball. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly. He said, uh, I had never heard music like that before, ska music, and he said, their scene seemed so much healthier to me. People c- would come to shows, dance, and just have fun. So <laughs> so he, he was like, I'm tired of I'm tired of seeing guys... I'm tired of all this doom and gloom. ...punch themselves in the face in the mosh pit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, well, uh, Q, you know, we're talking about Lots of lots of no doubt. Um, you know what else I don't have any doubts about? What? I don't have any doubt about where I need to go if I'm looking for <laughs> <laughs> if I'm looking for stuff what? for the bedroom. Oh, uh, where? Where? What are you talking about? I mean, come on. Do you have any doubts? No, you no, don't. Not anymore, dude. I I did have doubts on what the website name is, the URL. But you sent me straight last week. Dude. It doesn't matter. You can type it in. Either way, they got you covered. AdamEve.com or AdamAndEve.com. Both of them will get you where you need to go. Yes, sir. And, dude, anytime I want to spice it up, I'll, I'll throw on some Teddy P and get things going, dude. Teddy P, huh? Pendergast? Yeah. Tinder. Yeah. Tinder. Tinder. Uh, t- Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> Tinder. 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 <laughs> 11K. Yeah. yeah, dude. And, hey, you know what? Good thing about hopping on to Adam and Eve is we got the hookup for you right now. We got you covered in the spice department. We got you covered in the spice department, dude. Because right now, if you hop onto adamandeve.com, pick out something nice, throw it in your cart, and if you type in no filler, all one word, into the promo box at checkout, you're going to get that item for 50% off, dude. Uh, Now, what if you want to get something for your partner? Well, they're going to throw in loads of free stuff. Holy shit. Yeah, dude, you get 10 additional tantalizing gifts for free when you use the no filler promo code. You get one special item for you, another special gift for your partner, and then you get a third item for both of you to enjoy. And then, you know what else you get, dude? What else do you get? You get six free spicy movies to help put you in the mood. Dude, there's so much. I know. Too, too hot to handle all the spice. It's really fucking spicy, bro. It's a lot of spice. And free shipping on that item, dude. That's a lot of spice, and the price is right. The price is right. Bob Barker style. Just don't have any doubts about where you need to go if you want to spice it up. There's no doubt in my mind you go to adamandeve.com, dude. adamandeve.com, promo code no filler. We'll get some spice in your life. All right, Q. Do you have any more tunes for us from no filler here? I mean... <laughs> Do you have any more tunes from No Doubt is what I meant. Not no I, I got one more one more song I'm going to play. Okay. We're going to play this one all the way through. Uh, you know, you're talking about that, that more heavy guitar sound? Yes. Wait until you hear this, bro. Okay. Uh, Dude, you, but all right, let me so, ask you this. This is funny that you said that. And then we talked about how he was uh, in a metal band beforehand. Yeah. You think he showed up with all these freaking riffs, you know, that he'd been working on as a metal guitar player and then they were like hey you know what man can you just tone it down a little bit we're a ska band here we're trying yeah, to have fun. can you just fucking save some room for the horns to shine yeah we're trying we're trying to not incite a mosh yeah well dude just get ready for this one uh so this is track seven on the beacon street collection this one's called snakes
Yeah, dude, that's a killer track, man. I, yeah, I love that one. I mean, that's great. So many great uh, different parts to it. Her voice is unbelievable. Yeah, dude. There is more uh, metal in that song than a lot of grunge songs, man. I mean, yeah. especially with his guitar playing. Um, and the bass was nice and distorted, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it, it's really interesting to hear this knowing that next comes Tragic Kingdom, you know? Because it really is way different. And how many people out there have, have, you know, they know don't speak. They know, uh, you know, I'm just a girl, spider web. Yeah. They have no idea what came before it, you know. Yeah, dude. Good stuff. Uh, another really great song. Actually, dude, fuck it. Let's just play it real quick. Just a little bit of it. This is one of my favorites from the record. It's got that. Uh, zoot suit kind of like big band feel to it. I don't know. She just kind of like swoons. I don't know. It just it just has that speakeasy vibe. So this is a song called "By the Way." I'll just play a little bit of it. Give a little taste.
great, man. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I was reading a little quote from somebody, some publication, internet publication, called uh, Rock on the Net, calling this album a raw expression of their sound and describing it as 80s punk with 90s grunge, which was great for the two other songs that we played. But that song just throws in another kind of flavor, you know? Yeah. It just shows you how, how broad their 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 uh, their spectrum is, you know? Yeah, and that song is sandwiched in between greener pastures and snakes. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's it, dude. That's that's what I got for you today for Beacon Street Collection. Yeah, I'm really glad we decided to cover Beacon Street over Tragic Kingdom. Me too, dude. Because I was going to struggle to to find anything, not necessarily to find anything positive to say about it. I just wasn't excited about it. Well, and for one thing, you, you, I think you told me Tragic Kingdom had seven singles. Exactly half of the record was singles. So, yeah, um, so that cut back drastically on songs that we could cover. It just tells you how freaking how popular that record was. Dave I mean, dude, here's what's crazy up. about it: the album came out in '95. Yeah, they were releasing singles off the record all the way till till '98. Three years they were, they were putting out singles from that record. Did they not release a? an album the next one came out in 2000 yeah. return of saturn came out in 2000 yeah which had you know i think that had some other huge hits uh ex-girlfriend was one of them simple kind of life they've got some great fucking tunes man but i couldn't find anything to get excited about uh on that record that you know between the singles as we like to talk about um yeah because you know they put out seven fucking singles so i mean they, all their good stuff was was singles yeah all right man so yeah dude um Let's let's jump into our what you heard's. I got a doozy for you. Uh, I've got a doozy for you. We both got doozies for each other. Oh, so I'm gonna go first. Go for it. Okay. Uh, so if you're new to the show, this is a segment that we do called What You Heard. Basically, it's just an excuse to play more music and play different music. We you know we try to spread out quite a bit. I mean, it it obviously it depends on what we listen to. It depends on what we've heard. It depends on what we what we've been heard. <laughs> so literally, we just we bring a we bring a song to the table, uh, something that we listen to, you know, in between our episodes. Could be a brand new song. Could be, I mean, Quentin brought a, a David Bowie song last week. So, all right, um, this is a band that I've I've listened to off and on here and there. I really dove into them. Uh, deep this week and listen to all three of their records. There's something about these guys. So this band is another 90s rock band called Hum. H-U-M. They're, they're somewhere in between. It's po- uh, the, I think the best, the best genre to, to put them under is post-hardcore. But they have elements of shoegaze in them and they have elements of some grunge, just a, like a hint here and there with some of the guitar work. Their, their first record came out in, I think it was like 90, 93. Um, the record that I'm playing is the the one that they kind of saw the most success with. Uh, they had one radio hit called Stars that probably a lot of people remember if you were actively listening to, me, to rock music back in the 90s. But what I'm going to play is a song called... Actually, I'm sorry. I'm not going to play it off this record. I'm going to play it off their next record. I'm Okay. Sorry. It took me a while to decide which song to play. I was going back and forth between these three records because they're all really good. It's really consistent, too. They have a very consistent sound. So I'm going to play a song off of their 1998 record, Downward is Heavenward. And the name of the song is called If You Are to Bloom.
That came out in 95, is that what you said? 98. 98. That, that record came out in 98, yeah. That's good, man. It definitely, you can feel that almost like emo, hardcore kind of stuff. Yeah, so I'm going to read a couple of quotes here from some critics. Because um, like I said, the record that came out before this is called You'd Prefer an Astronaut. And they had one radio hit off of that record. So this is the next album that came after that. So there's, you know, probably some expectations of, of some sort of success or something, right? So anyway, um, Pitchfork said that a listen to Downward is Heavenward actually scrubs off a layer of skin, yet Hum still managed to infuse grace and control into their skyward swirl. And then uh, somebody named Ned Raggett from All Music wrote, Having scored their fluke hit with stars, Hum hunkered down and created a follow-up album that went nowhere, leading to the band's splintering. An unfortunate result all around because arguably, Downward is Heavenward isn't merely the group's best album, but a lost classic of 90s rock, period. So if that doesn't give you reason enough to, to go listen... I don't know what else will. So go listen to the to, to, to go listen to Hum if you don't if you don't know about them. I really enjoyed all three of their records. That's all I got. All right, Q. That's my very long extended plug for Hum. Um, this was the band that I actually had talked to you about covering if we decided not to talk about No Doubt. So yeah, I wanted to give them their their uh, their proper uh, cred here. So well, we, right, should, we should circle back and cover one of their albums. Sometime. Yeah, yeah. When I think. You know, it'd be interesting since we did mostly grunge during this little '90s stint, uh, with the exception of No Doubt, obviously. I think we would circle back to the '90s because we will at some point. I think we should cover bands like bands like these guys, bands like uh, more of those kind of like not so mainstream successful yeah. '90s rock bands that are a little bit more obscure. You know? Yeah, dude, I'm done. Anyway, all right, Q. What do you got? What you, what what is you? Uh, what is your what have you been <laughs> what, hurting? Like? What has you been hurting? Yeah. Uh, so I listened to an episode of All Songs Considered, the NPR uh, podcast. Um, they always do New Music Fridays, and I jumped back and listened to their episode a couple weeks back. Uh, so playing nothing but brand new music, and they played a song from a new album by. Her name's Madeline Johnston. She goes by Midwife. Have you heard anything from her? Uh, no, I have not. Man, this dude, this is some powerful shit, dude. Mm. So she is. Uh, she describes her music as heaven metal. Heaven metal. That's right. Heaven metal. Are you ready for some some new dude, metal, dude? I I'm <laughs> super intrigued right now. Well, especially let me tell you, since I'm it, the resident metal head of the two of us. It's dude. It's way more shoegaze, like droney kind of stuff. Okay, I mean, so would you call it like doom, doom metal? Because doom metal has a lot of that drone. I don't fucking know. All right, you All tell right. me tell after tell after you. we yeah. hear this. I'll tell you. So the entire album is just uh, one of the guys on All Songs Considered said that it really slows the blood down. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I'm. I bet you it's. I bet you it's doom, doom esque. Well, like I said, it's very shoegazy. Um, everything's just drenched in distortion. Um, I'm going to play the last track on this. Is just a little tiny six-track album. It's called Forever. Just came out a couple weeks ago. This song is called Swim.
So yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed that. I just didn't see any. I failed to see the metal in that. Well, that's just she just describes her music that way. You know, she just decided okay. to call it that. Yeah, um, I liked it. Uh, yeah, definitely shoegaze. Um, Very yeah, heavy reverb, distorted, just fuzzy goodness, dude. The album is really, really emotional and like raw and vulnerable. Like the lyrics are intense, dude. Like it's yeah. Dedicate an evening to this album. It'll it'll move you. It's good. So, really good. You know, we we talked about this quite a bit. Obviously, uh, you know, we've done we did an episode on um my uh, my bloody Valentine. We did an episode on Slow Dive. So we talked about you guys quite a bit. And then you and I had that like I guess it was a realization that like oh dream pop is the same thing as shoe shoe gaze and you know yep it's been happening for a long time that i would put that more in the dream pop the the more like uh contemporary shoegaze stuff that falls more under the dream pop uh category than like traditional shoegaze you know yeah the dream pop that, that you and i listened to quite a bit in the 2010s you know when we were when we had that music blog and this was all over the place i feel like that that sounds more a little bit more at least that song i don't know what the rest of the record sounds like well, after we after we we stop recording, dude, I'll play another song for you. All it's, right, whew, it's it's intense, man. Uh, so yeah, that was Midwife and her brand new album, Forever. That song again was called Swim. And uh, let's wrap it up, dude. That will do it for us today. Yes. Uh, why don't you fucking drop the spiel on us, dude? The post spiel show spiel, yeah. Well, you can find us on nofillerpodcast.com, uh, where you can find all of our show notes for each episode, uh, where we have the track list and any sources that we may have cited, all of our resources, basically. You know, just like when you wrote a high school paper, you had to cite your sources, you know? We try to do that. Uh, but you can also find us on our network, the network that we're a part of. That's pantheonpodcast.com. Uh, and... On there, you can find all sorts of great music, podcast, content. Uh, we're lucky to be a part of the Pantheon family of like-minded music lovers. You know, Q and I, we like to be a little bit more casual, um, have more just sort of like free conversations about things. You know, sometimes we do our research here and there, but, you know, sometimes we don't do research and we just kind of wing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, then that, that's just our style. But, you know, on Pantheon, there's lots of shows out there that, approach their episodes a little bit more a bit uh, more scholarly yeah scholarly uh so if you're if you're finding that you need you need more facts cold hard facts about stuff why don't you go listen to some of the other shows on our network uh you know along with you know don't hey don't stop listening to us you know i'm not saying <laughs> i'm not saying that you should stop listening to us but I am saying that. Well, there are, what you're trying to say is we've got some like music experts. Yeah, we've got within the network. We've got people that that write books. You know. Yeah. And that's Mr. Uh, Mr. Martin Popoff. You may have heard of his name. What's funny about Martin Popoff? He has a podcast called History in Five Songs. It's on our network. We actually came across his name on Wikipedia um, as we were recording the the Injustice for All episode for Metallica. Um, I read his name on Wikipedia because he, he's written extensive uh, books about metal. So we we're like, holy shit, there he is, Mr. Martin Popoff himself, part of our network. There's lots of stuff on the network. Just go check it out yourselves. Pantheonpodcast.com. You can push play on the network feed and get one uh, episode after another from every show on the network. Uh, it's sort of like, you know, we, we, we kind of call it jokingly the, the MTV of music podcast, right? It's just this never-ending stream of content, and it's all fantastic. And anyway, that's that. Follow us on Twitter. We're sort of active on there. Um, people like to tell us what we got wrong. If you want to do that, go right ahead. You know what that means, dude? That means we made it. We finally made it. We, we're so bad. <laughs> At uh, research, apparently, <laughs> that we get called out on Twitter. That means we made it. That means because, we made it, dude. Yeah, but plenty of people tell us that they that they like us too, and that's great. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us what we should cover. We have a a, a, a tweeter 
who uh, who actually got us started on this. Is that how you call it? A tweeter? A tweeter. Uh, <laughs> uh, somebody who follows us who who reached out and said, hey, you guys should talk about uh, Smashing Pumpkins. And then that, we we're like, okay, we'll do that. And then that started us on this uh, 90s journey that we've been on for the last few episodes. So there you go. If you shout, shout out to us on Twitter, we might actually take your idea and run with it. Yep. Anyway, enough fucking talking, man. <laughs> Golly, is this a podcast where you talk? <laughs> that's what podcasts are. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's that. Uh, next week we're gonna do our sidetrack on on no doubt. We don't know what we're gonna cover. Um, and then we're gonna do. Have we even teased what we're gonna do after that? Oh yeah, we're covering Blink One Eighty Two. Blink One Eighty Two, and we're gonna talk about Enema of the State. A a a very important record to you and I. Yeah. A seminal record in our formative years. Um and then after that, man, we got some fucking goodies. I'm excited for the next few months. Dude. Coming right around the corner. Yeah. It's gonna be good times. Yeah. All right. All right, man. That's that. For our outro song, we are gonna play a tune from the punk rock band Bad Brains. Uh, we're going to cover a song from their debut, self-titled from 1982. So, No Doubt did a cover of this song for a series of compilations called Music for Our Mother Ocean, which was produced by Surf Dog Records to benefit the Surf Rider Foundation. Uh, so anyways, this is a song from Bad Brains from their 1982 debut. This song is called Sail On. Until next time, thank you as always for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.